Yeah. I'm not going to Phoenix. Welcome to Mr. Steve's Midlife Crisis. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. I am uh, Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 296 of the podcast, and uh, this week's episode is going to be a real treat for you uh, fans out there because I've, I I got snacks for everybody. We're going to be eating fried chicken and french fries. <laughs> That's what TV's Doctor Strange says. Yes. After he was molested in the boys' room. Yes. This is a, this, this is a fun this is a fun movie this week you you shave off his mustache and he looks exactly like that other guy from fantastic journey from 1970 yeah. something i sent you a link Did yeah you take no a look? what yes tv's doctor strange so i'd like to think that it's a continuation of uh, of another episode of the podcast yes you know? a part two yes yeah, a lot of sequels this week. Okay, so this week uh, we're going to be talking about cereal. We're going to be talking about white people. We're going to be talking about uh, Space Jam, unfortunately. We're going to be talking about one of my... A, a, a musician from the 80s that I hate so much. Okay. And... Uh, a movie that I think I'm going to be coming to the defense of a little bit. Really? Uh, I was ready to I, I was ready to rip this movie apart. Then I learned about like the making of it, and it's like, okay, I kind of understand this. Okay. Uh, but we'll get <laughs> you to that. can explain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely will. The thing that the the thing. The thing that upsets me now is that I feel that people will see my hairdo and say, oh, Steve dyed his hair blue, light blue, cotton candy, bisexual colors, because, oh, he's getting white hairs. He's getting gray hairs. He's reached that middle age. And it really upsets me. It really pisses me off that there's white hair here and here and here and here and here and all over here, but nothing on my actual head. Yes. All my life, I've wanted one thing, and that's to have Reed Richards on the side. Yes. Or a full-blown Steve Martin, but nothing. It's upsetting to me. Yes. It is deeply upsetting. Uh, I am a little bit high right now, but I think I can get through this because uh, most of the podcast is just written down, so I'm going to read it. And uh, I, I, I... I went to the doctor this week, and I have new medication, and it's taking a while to get used to it, and I'm just a little bit out of it. Yeah. But I think I can get, I can get through this. Two ninety six. Okay. Are you ready, Bunny? I am ready. Yeah, I think I am ready. Okay. Then we're ready. All right. Let's do this. Uh, I got this. Bunny. Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> I've got a strange bit here for the beginning of the show. And I may or may not have come up with it earlier this week while I was just remarkably high. <laughs> but anyway, here we go. The way the way that I thought was that uh, maybe Bunny is high and he'll he'll find the 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 humor in it. Well, but... of course I'm high. Okay, so okay, so <laughs> my wife went to the store and she purchased a a, a box of frosted mini wheats. Okay. FMW. FMW is what the cool kids call it, I'm assuming. So that's why for the rest of this segment, I will be calling it Frosted Mini Wheats. Yes. And there's a bit of coffee on the back of the box that just tickled my pickle. And so I wanted to share it with you here in the beginning of the podcast. It just brightened my day this little bit of coffee and I wanted to share it on the box of Frosted Mini Weeds it says twice, it says twice on there and I quote one bowl and you're good till lunch okay now let me try and explain to you why I love that uh, I love the idea the concept of advertising a food uh, not because it's healthy or because it's tasty but because you're a human that requires food to survive yes I think that's hilarious and people should do that. Hey, come try our spicy, cheesy Monterey Jack Chalupa burger. Is it a yummy treat? Fuck no, but you're a human and you're biologically designed to have to eat food. <laughs> you know, like, get to the point of advertising. Yes. Eat our food, because if you don't eat food, you'll die. And this is edible. Well, what the fuck was that Dudley Moore movie? Yeah, uh, crazy people or nutty people or... Something or, like that. Yeah, like he, that. he was an advertising agent and he went crazy, so he started doing ads like, buy a Porsche, yeah. get laid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, there was an ad for a car and it said, boxy, but good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I love the idea that that eat our food. If you don't eat food, you'll die. So eat this food. And I think that that you know, let's get right to the heart of advertising. Bunny, give us a required to eat commercial. A required to eat commercial. Yes, you can do it. Oh, you can okay. do it. Uh. Okay. Uh. You can do this, buddy. Reese's peanut butter cups. I don't have a good tagline though. 
That's it. That's well, it. You're not allergic to peanuts. <laughs> yes, Reese's peanut butter cups. If you're not, if you're allergic to peanuts, this may kill you. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. They're edible. <laughs> yes. Here at Denny's, we're committed to one singular goal. Providing you food that you eat and convert into energy to continue living. Yes. You know, just just the most basic you can get with a commercial. Mwah. I love that idea. So eat frosted mini wheats, cause you need to eat food. Well, for frosted for frosted mini wheats, I think there I would have to go with uh, so much fiber it. Tastes like wood. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Frosted a positive. Mini Frosted mini weeds. It's good for your asshole. <laughs> yes, there we go. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so cut on that, buddy. Yes. Okay, I got a question for you. Okay. And I know you're. I I know I. You're, of this uh i i know that you're hyped up i know that you're psyched i know that you're on cloud nine so i'm just gonna come out and ask it bunny bunford yes uh how, how excited are you on a scale from nine to ten how excited are you that it's almost white boy summer already oh oh white boy summer i i i Every year, I really try to make a big thing out of White Boy Summer, you know. Um, well, this year it's really going to be White Boy Summer, and we're not talking Trump, no, talking Chet. Chet, you know, do you, I'm going to be yeah, totally you, jamming out to Brian Adams during White Boy Summer. That's good. That's good. I should put that on my list. Remember that. Put a pin on that. You need a lot of pins to listen to this podcast. Did you hear about White Boy Summer? No. Okay. So, okay. So let me explain the upcoming White Boy Summer. I, I can so only you know, imagine, though. <laughs> do you know Tom Hanks? I mean, I, love him. I mean, I've everybody heard of Tom does. Hanks. American treasure Tom Hanks and his lady in waiting. Rita Wilson, except to except for Henry Winkler, how about yes. that? Yeah. Well, I met Henry Winkler once. I shook his hand. Nicest guy. Yes. Nicest guy. Henry Winkler. He he was doing uh, different like sh events and venues, doing signings for his kids' book series, Hank Zipser, because Henry Winkler had a hard time when he was younger. He had a learning disability, and he was a troublemaker kid, and he was always getting into trouble. So he wrote a book about his trials and tribulations, like a chapter book, of yes. Hank Zipser, and and it would be Henry Winkler in the back, and he'd be wearing this like silly uh, sweater. And uh, kids loved Hank Zipser because here's a kid who gets into trouble, but, you know, he learns a lesson and he's trying his hardest and kids would love it. And then I would ask kids like, oh, you like, uh, do you have the new Hank uh, Zipser book? And I'm like, yeah, I've got that. Here you go. Here's the new one. And they're like, cool. I love these books. And I'm like, how old are you? I'm 10. Okay. 
do you know who the Fonz is? It's like, no, who's that? Okay, I just wanted to check. Yeah, I just wanted to check. I don't know who the Fonz is. So he was at the, the, the state fairgrounds, and there was a car. He was there signing his books, and so many people came to meet the Fonz and shake his hand that he ran out of kids' books. So he's like, there's got to be a bookstore nearby. And I always carried a ton of his books. So he came in with his publicist. He purchased every single solitary Hank Zipser book, which we had a ton of. And then he was so happy that we had books for him that he went throughout the entire store and and introduced himself and shook the hand of every single solitary employee working that day. Nice. He came in. My children's book. He talked to me for like five minutes. He shook my hand. Henry Winkler, nicest guy. Uh, so Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, the two of them had four kids. I'm so high right now. Three sons so and a daughter. <laughs> so high. So high right now. Uh, that Henry Winkler story seemed an hour long to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, I just read an article from Newsweek. Uh, Henry Winkler is like the only person in Hollywood who really hates Tom Hanks. No shit. Yeah. It was it was not the best article because it was like page after page after page of why Tom Hanks is wonderful. Then page after page after page about why Henry Winkler is wonderful. And then, like, a little bit of blurb of this kind of feud they're having that goes back to Turner and Hooch. Oh, shit. That Henry Winkler was originally directing and then got fired from. And while neither one of them will be specific about what's going on, and, and frankly, Tom Hanks didn't say anything about it at all, because he's just that good. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. They um, were not necessarily no. specific about what was going on, and they were only speculating that Henry Winkler is mad because he blames Tom Hanks for getting fired off that movie. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I understand. Yeah, but I found Henry Winkler to be the just the world's nicest guy. Henry yes. Winkler sought me out to thank me for carrying his, his books. Yeah. You're special. I just find it incredibly humorous that the two world's nicest guys don't like each other. <laughs> Hate each other. Okay, so... Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson have four kids, three sons, and a daughter. The most famous Hanks child is Colin Hanks, who is a very successful actor in his own right. He was on Daxter, and he starred in the movie Orange County with, I think, Jack Black. And he was in a bunch of drunk histories. Yeah. Uh, And I love him. Uh, And... Oh, he did a drunk history where he played uh, astronaut Gordon Cooper and that was a huge deal for for us, for our family because Gordon Cooper the astronaut was born and raised in Shawnee, Oklahoma where I live and 
uh, there's like a street named after Gordon Cooper. There was a big giant uh, a mural of his face downtown that they recently covered over. And there's like a there's like a college learning center here in the town named Gordon, after Gordon, Gordon Cooper. Cooper Technical Institute. Yeah, Gordon Cooper. Yeah. So I was like, oh, drunk history is doing this. Gordon Cooper and it's Colin Hanks. What? America's son of America's sweetheart. So I was really happy to see that Colin Hanks was Gordon Cooper. Yeah. And not so, that damn so, Dennis uh, Quaid. Yeah, so Colin <laughs> Hanks is the most uh, famous Hanks sibling. You might know him from Dexter as one of the best serial killers of Dexter. Yeah, I, wrote, I wrote that down. Oh, yeah? Dexter. Down, yeah. Yeah. But the most notorious member of the Hanks clan is without a doubt wannabe b-boy rapper Chet Hanks, which sounds like someone I made up, but no! Somehow Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson gave birth to their own vanilla ice, and his name is Chet. Yes, I believe I've heard of Chet. It sounds like I made him up, like like Clint Howard. Yeah. Oh, and Chet Hanks. Yes. And Frank Stallone. All people I've made up. But yeah, Chet Hanks. And recently, Chet Hanks got on Instagram and told his 426,000 followers, and I quote, Hey, yo, it's your boy, Chet Hanks. And, uh, I just got this feeling, man, that this summer is, it's about to be a white boy summer. So, so that's taken off, mostly in ridicule. It's going to be a white boy summer. Uh, and so, Bunny... Uh, I know that you're going to be celebrating White Boy Summer, and I'm going to be celebrating White Boy Summer. So I made a list of things to help you celebrate White Boy Summer. Some things that you can do. Okay? Okay. Number one, number one, you're going to want to buy some Crocs. Oh, definitely, definitely. Flip-flops. That's the official footwear of White Boy Summer. Flip flops, I think, would Crocs. also be acceptable. One thing I learned when I did. But Birkenstocks would be right out. He's frozen. You have frozen again. Let it go, let it go. Technical difficulty screen. Hi, everybody. It's me. Dabney. The fucking alien. We're having some technical difficulties. We're working on it. Leave me alone. Jeez. You'll be right back, man. Warning! Have technical 
differences. They are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Hi, everybody. It's me. Dabney. The fucking alien. We're having some technical difficulties. We're working on it. Leave me alone. Jeez. We'll be right back, man. Okay. Bunny, can you hear me? Okay. I had the hotspot thinking that that would help my internet problems, but for whatever reason, the hotspot was worse. So I turned off the hotspot. They are experiencing technical difficulties. So we should be good. So, so white boy summer. Boy summer, yes. Crocs. Crocs. Are we back, back? We are back, back. Yes? Okay, good. All right, so here's some more things you can do to celebrate White Boy Summer. Okay, so number one was buy Crocs. Number two... Okay, hold on on one, because I did point out a couple of things on one. Uh, I I think flip-flops would also be acceptable. But only with socks. But Birkenstocks would be right out. Yeah, only, and you have to have socks. Yes. You have to be wearing socks with your flip-flops. Okay. Absolutely. Basically, I think what we're getting down to is is they have to be a synthetic material. Yeah, yeah. It can't yeah. be like leather or anything like that. Yeah. I, I agree with that assessment, good sir. Uh, number two, eat a Chick-fil-A. That's another thing you can do to celebrate White Boy Summer. Eat at Chick-fil-A. I've got a whole list of things. Uh, Make a pyramid out of beer cans. Yes. FaceTime your pet. Yes. That's another thing to celebrate White Boy Summer. Order a complicated drink at Starbucks. We got an in for that one. Yeah, we got an in for that one. Uh, Fast and Furious Marathon. And, and, and for, for people of my age, for people around my age, play a lot of quarters. And for those who are younger, that would be beer pong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, White Claw, the official drink of White Boy Summer. Have fun pretending it is good. Uh, oh. Also, let's hit up those weekend yard sales. Yeah. Let's hit up those weekend yard sales. You can get such a deal. And we can find some really nice stuff for the living room. Yeah. Also, before we start the meeting, let's play an icebreaker game. Yes. Really help us, uh, better get to know each other. Let's play an icebreaker game. And of course, going vegan 
like uh, one of, I think, the stars of White Boy Summer, uh, Moby. Moby. You know, if you if everyone was vegan, there'd be no pandemic. And let's face facts. He ain't doing anything. Yeah, we talked about that last week, and I love the story of Moby saying that about the pandemic because uh, it's like all of America said, oh, man, I can't believe Moby said that. Well, if we gave a shit about him, we'd be very upset with him. Yes. But then no one got angry at him because it's just Moby. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. Yes. Uh, well, that, that kind of reminds it. me... That kind of reminds me of the time somewhere... 2003, maybe? Possibly 2004? An actor, Richard Chamberlain came out, I believe, on Bill O'Reilly as gay, and the whole world was like, yeah, we knew that for like the past 20 years, dude. Yeah. Good for ca- Thank you for yeah. catching up. <laughs> yeah. You're gay? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm still shocked that, that uh, I thought for sure that Elton John just got so much pussy. Yeah, you know. Well, so he that, looks like a—he just looks like a total ladies' man. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Not like babyface Finster at all. Yeah, I—I I, I bet Liberace just got a lot of ladies' panties back in the day. Yes. You know, granny panties back in the day. I mean, oh, he was even in a—he was even in a song by somebody else. Yeah. And let's not forget the official soundtrack of the summer. No, not uh, wannabe b-boy rapper Chet Hanks. Uh, Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Yes, Chris Gaines the, is going to be the official soundtrack of White Boy Summer. Okay. Chris Gaines. Bunny, what is Chris Gaines' top song? What is Chris Gaines' yeah, what's, top song? What, uh, yeah, what's your favorite Chris Gaines song, Bunny? Uh, there might be two different things, though, Steve. I'm going to go with I'm Sad. I'm Really, Really Sad. I'm so sad! <laughs> Thank you. It's not a yeah, race. That was great. That was great. <laughs> And cut on that. Uh, oh, also, no, uncut that. <laughs> uncut it. Because shortly after uh, announcing White Boy Summer, Chris Haynes's, Chris Hanks's girlfriend got a restraining order because he threatened to kill her and himself. And now Chet Hanks can't legally ho- own a handgun. So I'm <laughs> oh, excited. Oh, man. Uh, Chet Hanks, Chet Hanks. Chet Hanks' Chet Hanks. girlfriend? Chet Hanks' girlfriend got a restraining order because oh, Chet Hanks threatened to kill her and then kill himself, and now Chet Hanks can't legally own a handgun. So, number one, I'm really excited for White Boy Summer. And number two, hey, Tom Hanks, maybe you need to get your family shit together. Yeah. That's a grown Just, That's a just grown saying. Don't blame Tom Hanks. I am, grown I am, adult. I'm Chet blaming. makes decisions. 
I really like that tweet that, that Chet Hanks was put on the earth to test Tom Hanks' marketability. Right? Yeah. <laughs> now cut on that. Now it, it can be cut. Uh, hold on. Before we go on commercial, Eleanor has just been bugging this entire time to ask you a question, Bunny. Sure. Bunny? Laughing all the time. Say that louder. Bunny? Yes. Are you laughing all the time? Am I what all the time? Yes. She asked, why do you you keep keep laughing all the time? time? (laughs) Because your dad's funny. Don't you think he's funny? Yeah. Don't you think I'm funny, Eleanor? Don't you think he's funny? Okay. Rude. Rude. Churlish. You are being churlish. My bum is on the sleeve. I, I think you need to be considering whether I think you need to be considering whether Eleanor stays in the will or not. Right? You know? I might have to just cut them all off uh, a knives out style. I mean, I mean she said she thought you were funny, but the way she said it sounds like she'd give you a 5. You know? I'm going to give Right before I die, I'm going to change the will, give everything to my nurse. (laughs) From an an undisclosed foreign country. Because you can't give it to Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah, yeah. Any money. Okay, so, buddy! Yes? uh, We have a whole show to get to. We need to talk about Godzilla. We need to talk about... Canadians. We need to talk about Adrian Barbo. Okay, that's a pair. We need to talk about. We need to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. Harley Quinn. We have a, a full show to get to. But before we do any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 do. Thank you, Maxwell, for the assist. Do 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 do. Skitty bop a doo and break.
Hi, I'm not Dora the Explorer. I'm QAnon Karen. I'm different from Dora the Explorer because I'm God's color. White. This is my sidekick, Bunny the Rabbit. Say hello, Bunny. Dora the Explorer has a monkey sidekick, but not me because I come from Kentucky and not some shithole country. Oh, kids, can you count to 11? Well, how about counting to 11 million? Can you do that? Hashtag stop the steal. Because that's how much Trump beat Biden by in the 2020 election, but the Dominion voting machines were rigged by Hugo Chavez and the Zionists and the Chinese government to take down the God-fearing votes of the 90 million Christian Americans who voted for Donald Trump. Hashtag sheep no more. Look up in the sky. Do you see a star? No, you don't. Because stars aren't real. They're just a deep state psyop that's designed to control you. <laughs> Who's trying to control you? Just follow the money. Just follow the money trail. We're talking Bill Gates. We're talking George Soros. We're talking Hillary Clinton. Hashtag Hillary for prison. MTV's Dan Cortese. Hashtag oh, oh. Save Children. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hashtag Hail Satan. And other Jewish people. Hashtag Save the Children. They're trying to mind control you. That's why the masks are there. That's not helping anyone. It's all a conspiracy. A conspiracy to implant chips into your bloodstream so they can know where you are. Jewish space lasers.
greatest dancer in the world in your face. international male artist in England four years in a row. Here is all the magic of Slim Whitman, the international star who has sold 31 million records. All the songs that touch people's hearts the most are in this album, and I hope you'll let them touch your heart, too. Have I told This giant record treasury is only $7.98. Complete tape collection is only $9.98. Not sold in any store. Order yours now. To get this beautiful treasury, mail $7.98 for album, $9.98 for 8-track tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Be sure to do it now. This special Slim Whitman collection is available through this offer only. Rush $7.98 for album, $9.98 for tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Slim Whitman, Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, 10017. Dr. Frankenstein was my father. But you can call me whatever you want. As long as it's not... Oh! Idiot monster! Idiot monster! See you next week. Inside, I offer my love to you. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. I will be blue and waiting all alone. Who's calling me? I don't know. I'm singing Slim Whitman. She was like the yodeling king of country. 
Man, Mars attacks. I really do feel that. Uh, no, because I only have. Oh, I have two left. Okay. Here, one for you and one for Max. I, I really feel that, like, uh, Tim Burton made Ed Wood, and then after Ed Wood attempted to make a film that Ed Wood would have made yeah. if he was alive in the 90s and had a budget. Yeah. And that both two films, Ed Wood and Mars Attacks, are connected. Yeah. Yes, read to you what it says inside your dove can't. It, don't stop till you're proud. Mine says book the flight. <laughs> mine says, uh, oh, mine has an interview with Don Cheadle. Here you go. I I don't know, man. I just don't particularly like Mars Attacks. I, I love the life. Martians. I fucking yeah. love those Martians. And I love it the whole Martian like... stick. You know, where it's just like, act, act. With, with, its made, with its massive cast and intense amount of celebrities in it, I feel that he was attempting one of those wacky 70s films. Yeah. You know, where, like, where, like, this movie was supposed to come out in 1979, and it was, that Tim Burton's at it again, an all-star cast fights Martians? You yeah. know? That kind of a thing is what, is what Tim Burton was going for with yeah. Mars Attacks. And, and I think he nailed it. Anyway, uh, uh, we should get to... Uh, okay, so it's actually... <laughs> it's actually a little bit high. Just stop it. I'm, I'm, I made it through Act 1. And yes, I'm really proud of that. So, uh, okay. Act 2. And this uh, is a more relaxed bit anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bunny. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of everyone's favorite podcast segment, Buddy Versus? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready and raring to go? Are you ready to take that hill, Buddy? Sir, yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> well then, without any further ado, it's time once again for Buddy Versus, and here is your host. Bonnie Williams, take it away, buddy! I did literally go out looking for a midlife crisis card for you. But I just didn't like any of them. Yeah. So you well, almost you almost got a card. You almost got a card. I always, I always, it's really weird looking in the mirror because all my life since I was a little kid, I dreamed of having blue hair. Yeah. I always dreamed of blue hair. It came out different than I expected. I was hoping for dark midnight blue, so dark so dark blue that it's almost black, but when the light hits it just so then you notice that it's not black, it's blue. But it started out as mermaid, and now yeah. it's my little pony mane. <laughs> now it's cotton candy, but I don't mind. I think it's awesome and different, and I love it. I cool. absolutely love it, and it's very much me. And it goes with my new glasses, because I got glasses. 
And I'm really proud because the last pair of glasses I had for over three years, and it's the longest I kept a pair of glasses. Yeah. Because usually, you know, I, I wear glasses primarily all of the time, so they get scratched and beaten up, and, and they get so effed up that, like, oh, thank God there's an eye doctor appointment because my glasses are, you know, hanging from a thread. But this time, I got glasses because I wanted them, and I'm really happy about that. Cool. I keep going to the to the eye doctor, and they keep telling me the same thing. I've been used to throughout my childhood and my teen years and my twenties and my thirties, my eyesight getting slightly worse every single solitary time I go to the eye doctor. Every time I go to the eye doctor, my eyesight gets worse. That's always been a fact. But once I hit like 38, 39, 40, I've reached this pinnacle where the same thing happens. I go see the eye doctor, and the eye doctor says, well, your eyes seem pretty much the same. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But, you know, you're getting older, Steve. And, and it's it's like he keeps threatening me. Yeah. So, like, I keep, I've been hearing for, like, four years now that my eyesight's going to get worse, but... Right now, I'm, like, on this nice plateau. Yes. Really happy about that. Uh, yeah, so I dyed my hair, and I got new glasses. I went to go see Godzilla vs. Kong. I, I, I heard. What did you think? IMAX screen, and it was so hilarious because we saw a, a preview, and then we saw another preview, and then we saw another preview. And then it's time for the movie. And uh, there's like this weird quote yeah. beforehand. And then there's uh, logos of production companies I've never heard of. And then next thing you know, there's a forest. And it closes in on the forest. And who's in the forest? It's Spider-Man. Yes. And he's walking through a post-apocalyptic landscape with his horse. And everyone can read his thoughts. And suddenly there's this other guy. And they get into a fight because... Spider-Man thought something bad that the other guy could read his thoughts and they get into a fight and that's when I realized this is not fucking Godzilla they're showing the wrong movie or maybe I'm in the wrong theater was I think <laughs> how fucking high am I so I leave and I go to the lobby, and there's already, like, 30 people complaining, complaining, and the guy's there just with a walkie-talkie all frazzled, like, yes, yes, we're sorry, we, we apologize, we're gonna get the new, the, the right, the correct film on momentarily. So I go back, and I sit in the theater, and we end up watching the first eight minutes of Chaos Walking, starring Tom Holland, which I do not want to see. Okay. And then finally, they turn the movie off, and it takes like about five minutes to get the right movie on. But that entire time, no sound, no lights, a pitch black theater. Yeah. For like minutes in total darkness until they finally get the movie up. And I know, I've seen every Godzilla movie. I've seen... I've seen every single solitary Godzilla movie multiple times. 
And I've seen I've seen every King Kong movie multiple times. Uh even I had a hard time following the plot of Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. And that says something, because like I know Godzilla movies, and even I'm having a hard time. Wait, we're going to we're going to the middle of the earth to get what? Why are we going to the middle of the earth? And why do we need Kong to take us? I'm so confused. What's well, going on? The Hollow and, Earth, though, has played into to the other movies as well. So like, oh yeah, it's and something love- they're building on, but it's like. Like still, it's a Godzilla movie. I don't fucking care, you know. And then, and then they're like, "Hi, I'm the young hero. Do you remember my name? Of course you don't, because I'm the most forgettable hero in the history of Godzilla movies." Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I don't know his name. I barely know his deal. I saw the movie twice. I saw the movie at IMAX and then rushed home and saw it at home. And Amber comes in, it's like, oh, who's that guy? And it's like, fuck if I know. <laughs> and I, I've seen him movie twice in a row, and I couldn't tell you what his deal was. The most forget forgettable hero in the history of movies. And then I love the whole idea that, like, oh, I'm here in the basement of the college because people think that my theories about Hollow Earth are are crazy and are just a myth. In fact, everyone said to me, hey, guy who believes in Hollow Earth that has been proved in every movie before this, especially Kong Skull Island, which was... 50% Hollow Earth. We all know Hollow Earth is a myth. Yeah. We all know that Hollow Earth is a myth, and you're a crazy guy who believes in the thing that has been proven in all of the previous Godzilla movies. Yeah. Stop it with your crazy nonsense. Yeah. So I didn't understand that. Uh, but it was a good movie, and there was a clear cut even though the ending was was like kind of sort of what we all expected and like there was a clear cut victor there yeah. was a clear cut winner in Godzilla versus Kong but still by the time the real bad guy shows up i was just there in the theater with my popcorn just going yeah bunny was right <laughs> bunny called it <laughs> they 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 bet remanded it we yeah yeah, yeah okay but still, it was a good movie, and I it, it was I liked it. Yeah, I like the fact that the little girl who is deaf is actually a deaf actress. Yeah, not a deaf person to play the young deaf girl, and I really like that. And they were using actual American sign language that I knew and understood. Yeah, you know, unlike the Inhumans, where Black Bolt is just just going and making weird. <laughs> fingers they used actual american sign language and and i liked that then i went to the doctor this week yes i have a doctor and i got medication and it's taking me a while to get used to it funny did you see the preview for space jam no i have not that shit is insane basically it's like they said what if we made a basketball version of Ready Player One. Okay. 
So like, so like, I'm going to tell you the story of why Bill Murray was trending on Twitter. It's really great. So LeBron James wants his son to be a basketball star, but his son wants to be in computers or whatever. And so one day the kid gets sucked into the server of the computer server of Warner Brothers. Okay. And now he's caught in the world of every single solitary movie that Warner Brothers has ever made. And this entire universe is created, is uh, run by this uh, server being played by Don Cheadle. Oh, yes. this magazine has an in- interview with Don Cheadle. And I will never stop saying Don Cheadle now. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar is the best movie ever. Yes. And I love it. Uh, and the only way that Don Cheadle will let uh, LeBron James's son go is if LeBron James beats him in a basketball match. Okay. So, uh, sure. So, the weird thing is, is that you know those Looney Tunes cartoons from back in the day? Where oh hey they just closed the libra- the library is closed but all of the books have come to life yes yeah so imagine that but with uh, Warner Brothers properties the preview has Jesus fucking Christ um Jack Nicholson's Joker Pennywise. Uh, Magilla Gorilla, Fred Flintstone, the Animaniacs. Allegedly, there's a Godfather scene in the movie. Okay. Uh, uh, I think I spotted Sam and Dean from Supernatural in the preview. Uh, it's it's basically like Ready Player One, but just for Warner Brothers. And uh, there's a there's a scene where LeBron James is like, okay, well, if I'm going to defeat Don Cheadle in a basketball match, then I need to find the 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 most powerful people in this universe. And he makes a list of all the people that are going to help him win the basketball match. And it's like Superman, Gandalf, King <coughs> Kong, the Iron Giant, and it's and everyone on Twitter said the same thing, which is. Bitch, Michael Jordan just had Newman from Seinfeld and Bill fucking Murray. <laughs> That's, uh, that apparently says something about LeBron James's basketball skills when LeBron James can win if his point guard is Superman yeah. and all Michael Jordan needed was stripes. Yes. And it's like, oh, you need King Kong to play basketball with you? You know what Michael Jordan needed? Uh, The funny guy from Tootsie. (laughs) So fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I just wanted to talk about Space Jam. Well, well, and in kind of a tie-in, something I sort of mentioned to you briefly, but... So, so I'm basically using, long story short, I'm basically using a fairly new YouTube account for my Roku. So it pops up weird things from time to time, and sometimes it's interesting. And the history of Max Fleischer 
was very interesting. But then because of that, YouTube goes, oh, you like that? Here's, here's some other shit like it. So I've been watching origins yeah. of different cartoons and different cartoon companies, and motherfucking Looney Tunes. Yeah, you know, give it to us. They they started. Uh, I mean, I forget the names. Like Schlesinger, I think it was started Looney Tunes. Yeah. Uh, so he did previous work before actually doing Looney Tunes. But when he launched Looney Tunes, the very first Looney Tunes character was Bosco. Bosco. And Bosco, as described by Looney Tunes, was a little N-word boy. Jesus Christ. And it was Looney Tunes because every every cartoon featured Bosco doing a song and dance. Yeah. Jesus. So ew. You know, like like and it's one of those things like, okay, so I've stumbled upon this like should I bring it up, or... You know, I mean, because, like, everybody's forgotten about it. Like, is it best just to forget about shit like that? Or should we, we remember where some of this shit came from? Yeah, the... Um... Yeah, there's a lot of things that, in retrospect, could be Dr. Seuss. Yeah that I don't think American society is ready to come to terms with. For example, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, in the original book, the Oompa Loompas, they were not orange. Okay. They were from the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa. And it's like, okay... That's some racist... The Oompa Loompas were some racist fucking shit. Yeah. But no one wants to cancel um, Roll Doll. Just like nobody... Just like everybody had a shit fit over goddamn Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Oh, also, you know what else... You know what else uh, is super racist? Um... The song Witch Doctor. Yes. Super racist. Yes. I'm convinced that that song is super racist. And it's like, if you think it's not racist, okay, then just go to Compton with, like, a bullhorn. Yeah. And sing that song, and then we'll get a general consensus. Yes. On whether or not this song about the witch doctor that speaks in weird, strange uh, jungle talk, let's see if this song is racist. Yeah. Fucking chipmunks. Well, how are you doing, buddy? And, 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 and I, I must admit, I, I feel embarrassed that I like it because it's still catchy. But yes, oh, yeah. I completely agree. It's catchy. a horrible fucking song. Yeah. 
I caught the kids uh, singing that song because they saw some video on YouTube, and I'm like, I'm just going to look up and see if Witch Doctor is racist. I'm assuming it is, but yeah. I'm going to check. And I, I immediately found, like, a picture of the first time it was released as a single, and it was like a like a black jungle uh, witch doctor with one of those, like, uh, African, like, wooden face masks and, and doing a dance, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, this is racist as fuck. Yeah. Oh, how, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's oh yeah, it's it's the world's catchiest song. But well, well that's because like like uh, a lot of spots of racism are really kind of hard to wash off. You know what I mean? Like, so so you can yeah. recognize something as racist, but you still kind of feel about it before you made that realization. Yeah. Did that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes sense. You know, so so like, this is a song I grew up with. Yeah. And I'm not trying to use this as like any kind of excuse or anything like that. Just a weird human observation is more what I'm going for here. You yeah. know, but <clears throat> so so. This is a song that came out when I was very young, and it was all over the radio, and it was very entertaining, and it was funny, and it was cute. And it had a good beat. Yeah. And it had a good beat. <laughs> and we weren't de de really dealing much with issues of racism like that, you know? Yeah. We were busy fighting for a seat on the bus at the time. Well, not me, you know? And then later yeah. on, you you find you find something like the witch doctor, and you yeah yeah that's racist as fuck, you know. But you're still kind of attached to the song anyway. Like that attachment is just hard to shake, you know. Yeah. So like I think you got to recognize it for what it is, and do what you can to deal about it. You know, like blazing saddles. Right, like blazing saddles. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You know, although I think Blazing Saddles had different intent in what they were doing oh. than the Witch Doctor. Oh, yeah, but still. You know. The Witch yeah. Doctor didn't, doesn't sound like it's trying to call out anything to me. <laughs> so, so, how are you doing, Bunny? Um, uh, pretty good, I guess. Pretty good. Got my first shot yesterday. Nice. I got... Okay, I'm getting so my... Two fucking things, alright? I got a plain band-aid. Okay? I'm very uh, upset about that. So sad. You all so, got so Aquaman. Sad. Jeannie got Wonder Woman. I... I had a few choices I would like, but I would take whatever I got. Yep, there's Aquaman. Yeah. And two, I haven't turned into a frog. Hmm? I haven't turned into a frog. I was kind of kind of hoping I would get the COVID uh, shot and I would turn uh, yeah. into a frog. Yeah. 
And yeah, I'm not thinking my people. I'm not thinking my Wi-Fi connection is any better either. Another perk I was looking yeah. forward to. That's weird. You should bing that. Yeah. I'm not Google. Bing, the Google official search Google. engine of the Pope on film. <laughs> bing good, fire bad. <laughs> What's our new catchphrase? Yeah. So, uh... Yeah. Yeah, Good so, job yeah. getting your first shot, buddy. So all the all the all the uh, all the midlife crisis cards were like really boring, you know. They were there like they were all similar to the fiftieth birthday cards, where they were all black yeah. and they had tombstones and things like that. And you know, no, I I, I want I. There's one image that's just stuck in my head from midlife crisis that I've seen. Bryce knows how long ago. Probably on a morning show. Which yeah. was this Charlie Brown next to a Porsche in a Hawaiian shirt with a necklace and sunglasses and drinking something. And and some hot girls around and it says, Welcome to your midlife crisis, Charlie Brown. And I was like, that's always been the image in my head. And I didn't find any cards even close to that kind of that kind of humor yeah sorry because I encourage your midlife crisis yeah yeah I like the hair I like the hair I really like it, it matches me yeah. And I like it a lot. Jeannie's trying to get a closer I look. Get, I, I get weird looks, but I already got that being a Mexican in Oklahoma. You know? <laughs> why, like, did, why didn't you... As well give them a, why didn't you dye hmm? your mustache? Oh, nothing touches the mustache. Come on. Didn't you say that's where the white hairs are? Oh yeah, the white hairs are here and yeah, here yeah. and all over. I didn't dye this because of the white hairs, though. I dyed this because it looks fucking bitchin'. Well, I think you should have done the mustache and beard. No. Yes. It, no one yes. warned me about how itchy this was gonna fucking be. Oh my god. Hopefully, it I was lasts, gonna, hopefully it lasts I was, longer than my purple hair did. Okay, let me, bleep, just, let me just let me just toss out a suggestion here. You know, something that you very, very rarely see anybody do. And I'm not mm. saying you should do it. I'm just tossing it out there. Shave off your eyebrows. That'd be creepy. That'd be creepy. Like that the, might work. Like Pink Floyd the Wall. Yeah. Bob Geldof. That was a fucked up look. No one warned me how itchy uh, bleaching my hair was. I swear to God, I was gonna scalp myself uh, Aldo the Apache style. Yeah. And I want my scalps. It just it itched so much. Yeah. It 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 it, it, it flames, flames, flames all over my head, heaving breathless 
heaving breaths, heaving. It hurts so much. Oh my god! Can't yeah. even. Can't even think about it. Yeah, but I like it. I, I like it. It's weird because for the. It's weird because for the first time ever, my hair's color is dependent on the lighting. Yes. Like there are rooms where there are rooms where I go in where if the lighting isn't exactly right, it looks like my hair is still black. Like right now, I have a light shining on me in order to accentuate it. Yeah. Before I can make a final determination. I mean, I like it, but before I can make a final determination, we have to get the Pope on film Halo on you, which will be happening later okay. in the show. So, I yeah, mean, later on in the show, we've we've got to, to see it just, under the God light. To be clear, uh, piggybacking on what uh, Jeannie did say, yes. I did not dye my mustache. And yes, I did not dye my uh, beard goatee, whatever this is down here. But just want Jeannie to know the carpet matches the drapes. <laughs> oh, yeah. See ya, folks. You ready to get out of here? <laughs> I was just, I was trying to do a, that's all, folks, you know? <laughs> uh, so I folks. Done, so I, I think if you've looked at the feed at all, I've kind of been working on a little redesign, you know? Um, eh, it's getting there. It's getting there. Uh, anybody watching the feed down that center? <laughs> Where it's showing all the places that the Pope on film is. That's a little too big for me. Yeah. I'd like to crunch that down. It's because it's covering up half of the bunny verses. Oh, no, no. Not the one at the top. The one at the bottom I'm talking about. Okay. I like that one. So squeeze that one down because it looks too big to me. And then in that same space put the title to whatever the show whatever segment it is yeah Pope on Film is streaming on Pandora so if you are there to get Unobtainium and ride the weird dragon horse creatures you can also listen to our podcast yes if you are on Pandora and you're going to have weird hair sex with Sigourney Weaver and Gamora you can also listen to the podcast. Yes. That is the entirety of my knowledge from that movie. <laughs> it's remarkable that, that James Cameron's working on nine more of those films, right? Yeah. Good luck. I, I, uh, everything I keep hearing about James Cameron is what just a huge fucking asshole he is. And we've uh, even done a bit on him before about what a big asshole he was. Yep. So just just for that reason, it's kind of like, okay, people better be screaming about this movie before I go see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
money. Yes. Speaking of movies, the upcoming Shap is the first ever Shapquel. Shapquel. Okay. Shapquel. Okay. Big now, deal. Now, also Big for deal. The, something else I wanted to bring up, though. So, so I did this with the frames, and I could see where it could be adjusted and things like that. Then I could start adjusting backgrounds. But also for the breaks, I'm thinking that at the at 13 episodes of the Pope's Hyperactive Fun Time show, because even that mm-hmm. is still kind of thrown together, and I'm running low on shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'll close that out, say, okay, that show got one good season, awesome, maybe bring it back later or something like that, and go on to what I'm calling... Dabney's dystopian future. Nice. Because I really got to get to actually doing the 3D animation more. And this would be a good way because I'm just doing little bits. You know? So I got the first bit pretty much worked out for the script wise. And it's like a minute and a half. The breaks will expand to 15 minutes. You know? You got to take me out. Because I want to package the whole thing at the show, so it's going to have to have some opening credits, and Daphne will do an introduction, then it will be some bits, and then Daphne will do a middle, and then he'll do an end. Uh, and, then, yeah. and then some end credits. For anybody I'm grabbing in, like you, me, if I'm grabbing a, a some of Tim's work, or if I'm grabbing some of Liz's work, get them in the credits, you know, and have it more packaged like a show. I I feel like in a dystopian future, if you're doing like a like, if you're doing something on on like the future, yeah. I feel that in a demolition man sort of way even if it's like a mad max post-apocalyptic wasteland yeah there's still gonna be hardies hardies or like i was trying to think of like like not a big time but like there's still quiznos yes for whatever reason like, oh, we need to head to the wastelands. And, uh, but be careful, there are mutants, but we need to fight the mutants so that we can uh, forage for supplies and hopefully get more medication. Also, while we're there, we can stop at Quiznos. Yes. <laughs> well, wait, why are we stopping at Quiznos? Oh, there's still Quiznos open, the only restaurant yeah. that's left open. Yeah. I'm not sure why. They survived the apocalypse. They're like one of the only things. And then it, it's like it's like it's like a downtown major metropolis and it all windows are shot out and there's just dead bodies everywhere and rotting carcasses and everything is rusted. And even and everyone's dressed up all Mad Maxi, but you still 
go into the Quiznos and there's like an 18-year-old blonde-haired blue. And it's still just perfectly fine. Bunny, did I lose you? You were stuttering out a bit. I was so deep in my Quiznos fan fiction that I yes. completely lost you. Yes. I just kept talking about <laughs> Quiznos. Yes. Mo, Mo, I think all of it came through. I'm a little I don't bit know if you went any further than that. Hi, Bunny. Are we uh, back? Uh, yeah, we haven't really left. Okay, good. Hi. Hey there. Uh, so... So yeah, so that sounds like a good idea, Bunny. Well, I, good I, idea. I put him back on Theta Prime, and Theta Prime is just kind of like parallel to Earth, just twenty years more advanced. Yes. You know, so their climate crisis is twenty years more horrible. You know, but other things yeah. as well. So he'll do some kind of an opening bid, a monologue, so that would probably be different from episode to episode. Uh, for the middle bit, I'm thinking of doing Dabney's Fuck You of the Week. Nice. And whoever, for some reason I have it stuck in my head, so I have to do it, that the first one would, would be Andy Warhol. You know? Nice. He'll do a little talk about Andy Warhol, and he'll be the Fuck You of the Week. And then for the end, I cut, what I want is, like, like The Daily Show has the moment of zen. Yeah. Dabney's what the fuck. Your moment of what the fuck. And that'll be more videos of, of like, the dark-sided woman. You're all dark-sided. And, like, that'd be it. <laughs> yeah. That and other weird oh, crap. Hey. You know, a Japanese girl playing a flute with her vagina. That's your moment of what the fuck. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, look, it's a bunch of famous artists. What did you paint? Oh, I painted these water lilies, which I noticed uh, at my estate. And the way that they glistened upon the lake were beautiful. And I was moved by the majesty of God, and I painted them. Oh, what did you paint? I painted the Sistine Chapel, a massive work of art that symbolized God and man meeting each other and realizing the majesty of God. Oh, what did you paint, Andy Warhol? I painted soup cans! <laughs> I painted these fucking soup cans. I saw these soup cans, and I said, what if it was blue? <laughs> and what if it was green? With yellow. And then I put them together in a collage. Give me a thousand dollars. I'm going to go on a talk show. Mm hmm Yeah. That's that's my Andy Warhol. And I I just came up with that, and I think it's brilliant. Uh, I, I, I do enjoy it. I, yeah. I do enjoy it. Because, like, I, he's, he was... He's, as a friend of mine once put it, he was the P.T. Barnum of the art world. You know, like... Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Like, he turned That's art really commercial. 
you know? And it's like that's the antithesis of an artist. We'll get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I have for, for plan for upcoming breaks, and we'll see how long that runs. You know? Nice. So. I think that's about it. I think we're good. I think it cool. might be time. So, so what's on Shap? It's going to be a, a Shapquel? It's going to be a Shapquel. It's going to be a direct sequel to a recent Shap. It's going to be Shap Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, and I'm really excited. Oh, it should be Shap in Africa. Ooh, that's a good one. It has to be Shap in Africa. Yeah. Shap 2, Cruise Control. <laughs> yes. Okay. You all ready to get on over there? Yes. Well, this has been fun. Uh, we're both high as shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So until next week, this is Bunny versus saying self-adhesive tape. Yes, please. And cut on that. Yes. If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays in this day and age? Now, at this hour? But only the true fans, the true hardcore fans. The, the people who have been with us since the beginning, when we started in uh, 1905 as a radio drama, the real hardcore fans that have been with us from the beginning would know the two uh, basic truths... I would say, about us. Yes. Two facts, two undeniable facts, undeniable, really real, and in no way made up on the spot facts about the two of us, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the fact that in your spare time, you're a very successful hand model. So tell us, Bunny, how do we get hands like yours? How do we get the Bunny look? First, as we've all learned, Hand models were a whole different breed, baby. Okay. Whole different breed. Yeah, we are. We are. We are obligated to say that in the beginning of any broadcast where we will be talking about uh, yeah. hand modeling uh, per the Hand Modelers Union. Um, so I, I, that's just a little disclaimer I am forced to make. Um, a lot, a lot of moisturizer. Uh, you want to, you want to fill a like a rubber glove uh, with with lotion and put them on before going to bed. You know. Um, yeah. Let me get my right hand for this one. Um, a lot of masturbation to to get the really? the muscular strength that you need. You know? Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. so those are the two biggest things. Oh, and of course, clear nail polish. Oh yeah, of course. Yes. To get that glisten, the with a, that gleam, with a nice buff. You yeah. Know? They got to be really nice and buff. Yeah. You know? 
Don't worry and too much about the nails themselves, because that always winds up getting yeah. photoshopped anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice close-up on the glasses. The glasses are very cool. I mean, I can't see them normally. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do I'm trying to do extreme close-ups because when you're watching it on the facey pages, it's just a tiny box. So I'm trying to get closer. Yeah. You know, in your face. And the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of well, history. Well, 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 wait a second, wait a second. That's, a, that's like a, would you like a bigger box? No. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little bit, but not a lot. For the both of us. So you can get the full experience. That's French for experience, in case you didn't know. Probably don't know French as well as I do. <laughs> so, uh, the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it by my own unique storytelling style, and that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of... Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, 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 dun. Or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It is short and different and popular. It's the Smurfette of podcast segments. I'm watching you. Uh, change the box sizes in real time and it's tripping me out, man. <laughs> okay, so uh, um, this, anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be doing a shocking first. This is a first, first time ever on this podcast. This is not a Shap. This, my friends, this is a Shapquel. A shapquel. It is a sequel. A shap sequel. It is a sequel to a previous recent shap. More specifically, this is a sequel to the shap that we shapped nine episodes ago, meaning that this week's shapquel is a direct sequel to the shap that appeared in the Pope on film, episode 287, a good episode. The movie was The Turning, which is a piece of fucking shit. And that shap was about Donald Trump and his obsession with owning an NFL team. This chef yes, is yes. a direct sequel to that one. But before we get to that, let me do a quick cliff notes, a quick cliff notes on the original chef, chef prime, if you will. Yes. Donald Trump. Donald Trump has always been obsessed, not necessarily with wealth, but with the appearance of wealth. Okay. It's less been about how much money can I get, but how much money can I get people to think that I have? A lot of times he says things like, oh, well, I'm worth a billion dollars. And it's like, 
Okay, well, let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, like, how much cash do you have on hand? And he, he he has said previously in court documents and legal filings and, and in interviews and all of that, that, that a large portion of Donald Trump's money comes from the worth of his brand name, which changes daily, which is his way of saying the name Trump is obviously worth... Eight hundred million dollars. Yes. So I'm a millionaire, which is bullshit. Yeah. Tom Hanks isn't a trillionaire because his name's popular. That's not how money works. Yeah. But any, but anyway, Donald Trump has always been obsessed with with the appearance of wealth. And so for decades and decades, he's been obsessed with wanting to be the owner of an NFL team because in the circles that he travels in, being the owner of an NFL team is a big status symbol. Fortunately, the NFL has repeatedly shot him down and has refused to allow him to purchase a team. So in the mid 1980s, Donald Trump purchased the New Jersey Generals a USFL team which is kind of like the RC which was kind of like the RC Cola of uh football at the time yes. thereby making his is so so his his big plan was Donald Trump's big plan was to sue the NFL bankrupt the NFL and force the NFL to merge with the USFL thereby making his USFL team the New Jersey Generals an NFL team by default and when Donald Trump was finally finished with the USFL, just like America, Trump had completely decimated and dismantled the USFL and it went out of business. And people said, hey, that guy who's horrible with businesses, maybe he should run America. And it went exactly <laughs> how we expected. It went exactly how we expected. Yes. So, uh, now, what's... What's that up ahead? What is that I'm seeing? What is that? Is it a mirage? No, it's our Shapquel. First of a kind, it's a pioneering podcast segment, and this Shapquel starts in a very odd place, inside the palatial estate of singer John Bon Jovi. Okay. Apparently, Bon Jovi is besties with Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft is the owner of the New England Patriots. So the owner of the New England Patriots and Bon Jovi are good friends. And then uh, uh, Robert Kraft is like, hey, do you want to meet the owner of the New England Patriots? His name is Bill Belichick. With a name like Bill Belichick, he basically had to be a football coach. Yes. It wouldn't have been like a... a, orchestral genius Bill Belichick a legendary poet Bill Belichick no he was destined to be a PE coach mm-hmm. with Bill Belichick so uh, so Bon Jovi is best friends with Bill Belichick best friends with New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft he's tight with the New England Patriots and the Patriots even gave him two Super Bowl rings so Bon Jovi is deep in that NFL life apparently and so one day in 2014 uh, the owner of the Buffalo Bills uh, of the Buffalo Bills 
The owner yes. of the Buffalo Bills, a guy named uh, uh, Ralph Wilson, he dies. And the Buffalo Bills go up for sale. And Bon Jovi is thinking, and he's like, hey, I'm hanging out with Robert Kraft. I'm hanging out with Bill Belichick, the coach of the New England Patriots. I'm hanging out with the owner of the New England Patriots. Uh, maybe I should think about owning an NFL team, you know? Maybe I could buy the Buffalo Bills with all of my shirtless 1980 money. Yes. I can buy the uh, an NFL team with all the shirtless 80s money I have lying around. Well, Bon Jovi has money, but he doesn't have enough money. So what he does is, and he's like, okay, I know some rich people. I know some very rich Canadians. Apparently, Bon Jovi has a lot of Canadian friends, yes. Canadian millionaires, whatever. Bon Jovi knows Canadians. That's fine. Uh, so Bon Jovi uh, gathers a consortium of rich Canadians that he knows, and they agree to team up together, pool all of their money, and purchase the Buffalo Bill. Now cut to Donald J. Trump. Fun fact, you know what the J stands for? It stands for alleged rapist. <laughs> Donald alleged rapist Trump. It's 2014, and Donald Trump is just attacking our first black president 24-7. Donald Trump was one of the leading proponents of the birther conspiracy, which is, oh, yeah, our first black president, he was obviously born in, like, a freaking field of Africa. And it was, it was a sneaky way for racist people to say they were racist without saying they were racist. It was essentially... Uh, you know, because nowadays, racists are basically out in the open. You know who's a yeah. racist. They have a Trump 2020 bumper sticker and a MAGA hat. But back in the day, uh, racists were still hiding. And they're like, oh, I'm not racist. I just want to see our black president's birth certificate. And yeah. right at the forefront of that was uh, Donald Trump. And due to these attacks, these racial attacks, and he's attacking our black president 24-7, that he starts getting contacts in politics. And people in the right, in the far right, who hate our black president are like, huh, uh, Donald Trump is sort of everywhere attacking our president. Huh, maybe, maybe uh, I should get to know him. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, Donald Trump, hey, I'm a political consultant. Hey, keep my name. Maybe we can get together something. I don't know. He even does a speech in 2014, his first speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, and afterwards, Donald Trump's all like, huh, a lot of the right-wingers like me and all the racist shit I'm spilling. Uh, maybe, just maybe, I should go into politics? Should I? This is what I'm going to think about in 2014. Then the Buffalo Bills go up for sale, and Trump goes, okay. Maybe I should get into politics. Maybe I could be a senator. Maybe I could be, I don't know, maybe even president. What was that? The Buffalo Bills are going up for sale? Okay, fuck politics. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Don't want to be a politician. God damn it. I need to own this NFL team. It's always been my dream. I'm forgetting politics. God damn it! I need to own the Buffalo Bills by any means necessary. 
Okay. You have no idea. I've been I've been on this shit since the 70s, since the 80s. I bankrupted the entire USFL just so I could be an NFL team owner. This is my chance. I'm gonna I need to own the Buffalo Bills. So he 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 gets his money and he puts in a bid. It's not enough. So he goes he goes to Deutsche Bank to get a loan, and that's uh, important. Uh, let's remember that. Uh, put a pin in it. Thank you, honey. Uh, put a pin in that. He goes to Deutsche Bank to get a loan, and uh, he gets money. It's still not enough. Uh, Donald uh, Bon Jovi and his consortium of Canadians have raised 1.3, uh, I think, billion dollars. Yeah. To purchase the Buffalo Bills, and uh, yeah, and he Donald Trump got all of his money. He got Deutsche Bank money. Uh, it, even that's not enough to beat the team of Bon Jovi and wealthy Canadians. So Donald Trump is all like, "Damn, I can't raise as much as the writer singer of You Give Love a Bad Name." <laughs> Uh, there must be a way to beat Bon Jovi to the punch, but how? In my mind, Donald Trump is literally just the Grinch trying to find out some way to stop Christmas from coming. Yes. But how? So he's trying to figure things out. Um, now, first of all, Donald Trump being Donald Trump, he fucked up every step of the way. For example, he's like, Hello, NFL. I'm Donald Trump, and I'm here to purchase the Buffalo Bills. And it's like, okay, well, if you want to put in an official bid, you need to fill out all of this paperwork. I'm not going to do that. I'm Donald Trump. Just let me buy the Buffalo Bills. And it's like, no, you have to fill out this paperwork. Well, I'm not doing that. How much money do you want? I'll give it to you now. And it's like, no, there's a process. We need you to fill out the paperwork, which I won't do. And then we need uh, your, uh, you need to submit your taxes. And you know, Mr. Pretend Billionaire didn't uh, give his taxes to the NFL. He didn't even give it to the goddamn American people. Yeah. So Donald Trump hires a political strategist and big-time sleazeball named Michael Caputo to help him. And the way I imagine it in my head is Michael Caputo, Donald, thank you for hiring me. I heard your CPAC speech. I think you've got potential, and I think that you might be ready. It's going to be a long uphill battle, but are you ready? to finally get into politics, I think you could go all the way. Are you ready for this? And Trump's like, politics, fuck no. I need to beat John Bon Jovi. (laughs) You need to help me beat John Bon Jovi to purchase the bills. Yes. I don't have enough money. How can I purchase the bills and defeat John Bon Jovi? Uh... So in 2014, Donald Trump and Michael Caputo secretly begin 
Operation Fuck Bon Jovi. That's not the official title, but I imagine that's the title they used yes. for their operation. I just came up with it. But the two of them came up with an idea. What's a good way? And this this whole story has so many shades of the Trump presidency because Donald Trump and Michael Caputo said, okay, well, we need to get people on your side. We need to get people to turn from Bon Jovi and get on your side. What's a good way to get a bunch of angry Americans on your side? Good old-fashioned lies and racism. So so Trump and Michael Caputo head to Buffalo and plant the rumor that if Bon Jovi is allowed to purchase the Buffalo Bills, he will move the Bills to Canada. Do you hear that, Buffalo? Bon Jovi is going to let foreigners steal your NFL team. Yeah. How dare who lives a life of privilege thinks he can come here to you hard-working patriotic buffaloians and steal your nfl team and give it to a bunch of foreigners a bunch of canadians we need to let bon jovi know that this will not stand <laughs> all of this is a lie it's total bullshit and kind of racist but this shit stop and suddenly buffalo overnight John Bon Jovi becomes the most hated man. They're burning Bon Jovi records. They're burning effigies of Bon Jovi. They're having anti-Bon Jovi protests. Trump makes up these signs for the front doors of bars and restaurants and sports bars, proclaiming them Bon Jovi-free zones. Okay. No out at this sports bar if you do you're getting a sock right in the eye because Bon Jovi's gonna steal our NFL team and give it away to a bunch of foreigners Trump even hires someone to write a parody of living on a prayer (laughs) about how Buffalonians will never allow Bon Jovi to own their team. I'll be damned if some 80s jean-wearing long-haired pretty boy is going to come here and take away my sports team and give it to some damn bacon-eating Canadians. I won't let foreigners take my NFL team. And, uh, yeah, in 2014, before his candidate for president... Donald Trump spread lies, rumors, fear, and racism in an attempt to buy an NFL team. And apparently, now it's been uncovered that Trump's entire plan was to disgrace Bon Jovi, disgrace the Bills, making no one want to buy the team so that Trump, ever the vulture, would be able to swoop in and purchase the team at a massive discount. Okay. But I guess that Donald Trump and Michael Caputo were uh, in no way prepared for how successful their lies and racism were because to this day, if Bon Jovi were ever to go to Buffalo, he'd basically be beaten to death. (laughs) He's just the Thanos of a city. Yes. And that's bizarre to me 
And of course, the entire plan didn't work because billionaire businessman Terry Pagula outbid both Bon Jovi and Donald Trump, and now he currently owns the Bottle Bills. So uh, neither Trump or Bon Jovi won, but... Uh, yeah, so everyone went their separate ways. Donald Trump once again gave up his dream of owning an NFL team, but I'd like to think that the whole Buffalo Bills thing that he did in 2014 was just a, uh, an accidental test run for his presidential campaign. Yes. Like, huh, I just saw how easy it was to lie and no. use white people's anger and fear to further my own agenda. Because basically what he did in Buffalo was just a microcosm for how he won the goddamn presidency. Well, like a, like a foreshadowing. Definitely a yes. foreshadow. Did you read this Dead Zone? Yes. Okay. You, you remember where, where was... Greg Stilson had gotten out of his car for some reason and there was a dog trying to be his friend so he beat the dog no. to death with a stick. It's a foreshadowing yeah. of, of what, a, what an evil fuck this is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because I was going to just mention another Stephen King book. Uh, 1122, what is it, 64? Yes. Uh, a ridiculously huge time travel book about the day that President... Uh, Kennedy was assassinated. I absolutely love that book. Uh, Amazon yeah. turned it into a miniseries, and that was amazing. I uh, did. I did the book on audiobook, and I thought the book was excellent. Uh, and I just started watching the miniseries. Yeah, the miniseries is really good, but he, but they the the concept that they say in that is that. Um, History doesn't repeat itself, but there are shadows. Yes. That appear and repeat. But yeah, so so Donald Trump attacking John Bon Jovi was just a shadow of what was to come. And uh, John Bon Jovi, to this day, Buffalo, New York hates his motherfucking guts, and it's all thanks to Donald Trump's lies. And Bon Jovi has not played in Buffalo since 2013. And the thing that gets me about this whole story is that if you know about Donald Trump bankrupting the USFL in order to get an NFL team, and then Donald Trump making up lies and racism about Bon Jovi in order to get an NFL team, his entire pre presidency, uh, he spent a huge amount of time trying to bankrupt the NFL. <laughs> because of his own goddamn personal agenda. And yeah. it's like it's like if I became president and I'm like first order of business. We need to talk about the real enemy plaguing America. Older brothers named Jose. <laughs> they kick you in the ribs. They uh take all of their all, all of of your father's love for you. <laughs> so, so Donald Trump, his entire presidency was just, oh, so uh, people are kneeling in NFL games. That's horrible. You Americans should stop watching the NFL. Stop watching it. Bankrupt them. You should put them out of business. They hate America. 
Yes. And it's like, motherfucker, this is just you illegally trying to bankrupt a business as president to further your own personal beliefs. Like, fuck you. <laughs> but the best part about this entire story is that, uh, uh, what was the name of Donald Trump's fixer? Michael Cohen. Yes. He was doing his uh, stuff on Capitol Hill, and he was being interviewed. He was uh, spilling the beans. <laughs> the the lighthouse style. You have to spill your beans. <laughs> and somebody asked him, like, oh, has Donald Trump ever illegally inflated his own wealth to a uh, to a bank or to this and that? And uh, Michael Cohen is like, oh yes, in 2014, he he had me. Uh, uh, apply a loan for him to be able to purchase an NFL team and he lied through all of that and he gave the records to uh, the the government and now those records are in the hand of the US Attorney General the New York Attorney General who is hoping to get him for lying because the whole the, when he was applying for a loan for Deutsche Bank, Trump was like, "Oh yes, uh, I can apply for a loan. I have a lot of collateral. There's my winery, which is 200 trillion square feet and is worth a billion dollars." And like, he was just lying through his teeth about how much money he had. Yes in legal filings and now that might be the thing that takes him down in a way um john bon jovi and the nfl might very well take down donald trump okay is a sentence i never thought i'd say yeah but here we are welcome to 2021 and that is it for my first Shapquel, our first Shapquel on the podcast. It is a sequel to uh, episode. I already forgot. I wrote it down somewhere. I'm a little bit high. 287. If you want us to hear part one of this Shap, head on over to the Pope One film episode 287. The movie was The Turning, and that's a piece of shit. Yes. Thanks for listening, and be sure and join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations! And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! Uh, we need to take a break because I need to go and flush my jeans down the toilet. Yes. Um, we need to talk about um so much. We need to talk about Doctor Strange. We need to talk about uh, Adrian Barbeau. We need to talk about The Evil Dead parts one through eight. Yes. <laughs> but before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. Uh... We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. and break.
when Bob stands before God and Bob's Yes, Lord. Is 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 that you, Lord? Yes, Lord. I understand. Kill the infidels. Kill the infidels. Yes, my Lord. I will obey. As soon as I get out of here. <laughs> Job. 
those raindrops are falling on my head, they keep falling. But there's one thing I know, the blues they sent to me won't defeat me. It won't be long till happiness steps up to greet me. Raindrops are falling on my head. That doesn't mean my eyes will soon be turning red. Clients not for me because I'm never gonna stop the rain by complaining. Because I'm free. Minstrel cramps. Another god I'm coming apart. Minstrel cramps. The irritation. Oh no, please don't. Oh, this was my favorite onion. <laughs> the diary. I have to go. Oh, shut up, get out. She's saying mommy's cramping. Now. Minstrel cramps. She's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Where the fuck is the chocolate? The pain. Menstrual cramps. The most common cause of menstrual cramps is stress. No shit. Hey, try these. Does this really help? It does when you do it right. It's your uterus that's stressed. Oh, yes. Don't live in pain? Call 1-800-555-9969 and order Dr. Rod's Super Powered Vagina Balls. Just three easy payments of $59.99. 1-800-555-9969. Operator standing by. Order now.
Hello, Tim's mom? Have you seen Tim anywhere? He's not here at the studio and I'm beginning to worry. 911? Hello, Queen of Germany? And I'm hungry. Actually, I'm more hungry than worried. You can forget about worried altogether. Yes, it's an emergency. My friend is missing and I'm sandwichless. What, what kind of sandwiches you got over there in Germania? Who the hell are you calling a brat? Could you make me a sandwich? I like mayonnaise on both sides of the bread. Miracle Whip? What kind of possessed hellhound are you? Sandwichless! S-A-N-D-W-I-C-H-L-E-S-S! Do you understand, motherfucker? Hello? 911? Hello? Maybe I should call 912. I hear you're getting a lot of hits on Tinder. Nice. No one will not let you cover me in mustard and sauerkraut, you pervert! Wait, wait, wait. Is that in Germanian dollars? Yeah. Yeah, now we're talking. I have to tell you something. I'm only a myth. And until next week, I'll be missing you. Officer Gabrielle here. I just got a phone call from a guy spying on me. Was it an obscene phone call? Yes. Did he threaten you? Yes. The poor woman will never be the same again. She doesn't remember anybody or anything. All of the victims were raped before they were tortured, mutilated, and killed by the masked maniac. Hello. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Hooray. Act three, buddy. Act three. Act three. Yes, buddy, my friend, who is more than brother to me, I embrace thee. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast to casually mosey on into the third and final act of the shoe. And it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our zesty, low-fat, artisanally handcrafted and not available in stores. So order now, movie of the week! <laughs> and this week, from the director of Troll 2... 
comes a yet another knockoff sequel with the 1990 film Night Killer. Yes. Weird, because I'm pretty sure not once in this film does he kill at night, but whatever. Yeah. Does he kill eight? No, he doesn't even kill knights. He doesn't even kill actor Ted Knight. He would have still been alive when this film was made. Night Killer. Yes. The name of the film is Night Killer. And he made this about... he, 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 he Claudio Ragasso made this movie and then like 10 months later said... I'm going to go to Utah <laughs> and make a film about the goblins. Ellie, get up here. So, uh, uh, okay. So, the director of Troll 2 does a wannabe... Eleanor, get up here! How, how do you pronounce Giallo film? Giallo, Giallo film? Giallo is how I would pronounce it. Giallo. Yeah, so the director of Troll 2 does a wannabe Giallo film with a guy in a bootleg Freddy Krueger mask. There's a lot one pack here. Yes. But before we get into the film, I just wanted to put some context. I never thought I would find myself coming to the defense of the writer-director of Troll 2, but I just want to point something out, okay? Yes. Uh, uh, in Italy, this film was released in theaters under the title Non Aprite Quella Porta 3. Okay, so in Italy, the Chainsaw, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie didn't come out the same time it came out in theaters. It came out like later, like in the 80s. Yes. In Italy. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a huge hit, but of course they didn't want to call it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So in Italy, they called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie Don't Open That Door. Okay. I don't understand. It's not like this is a door-centric film, but uh, in Italy, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was released as Don't Open That Door. And then the sequel in Italy, which came out in the 80s, was Don't Open That Door 2. And that one was a big success. So in Italy, Night Killer was released as Non Aprite Quella Porta 3, which translates to Don't Open That Door 3, which means that the Troll 2 guy did it again. This movie was released in Italy as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Okay. I'd like to take this time to say that there's uh, this film is not set in Texas. There's no chainsaws. But what do I know? Yes. I felt myself saying that a lot. A guy on the police force kidnaps and rapes so uh, a guy kicked off of the police force kidnaps and rapes a woman to help her and is now going to get a promotion. Sounds a bit far-fetched, but what do I know? Yes. <laughs> I kept saying that. I don't think that a regular normal human uh, suburban dad can easily punch his uh, 
hand through a woman's torso. But what do I know? Yes. But but I need to come to the defense of this movie because apparently Italy has the most lax copyright laws yes. in the whole world, like more lax than Turkey and Turkish Star Wars. Apparently it's that level of copyright infringement. So that explains so many movies like Cruel Jaws, the unofficial Jaws sequel done with zero budget, an Italian film. It explains Zombie 2, the unofficial sequel to Dawn of the Dead that people actually fucking love. Yes. Oh, I like that movie. I like that movie a lot. I've got it on my computer. It's pretty good. There's also Alien 2 on Earth, an unofficial sequel to Alien that a studio in Italy quickly rushed out because uh, the studio hadn't yet copyrighted Alien as a film title yet. And it's like, oh, they haven't copyrighted that yet? Shit. Okay, let's make Alien 2. So they made Alien 2. There's a Bay of Blood, an Italian cheapo sequel to The Last House on the Left. Really? I never heard that. Yeah. I know know it's got a famous scene that is exactly exactly like a scene from one of the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. So, like, like this movie is a precursor to... Friday the Thirteenth, and it's the one where he comes in with a spear, and he yes. spears through two people while they're fucking. That one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, last house on the left. There's Shocking Dark, a no-budget Italian sequel to Terminator, and then there's the La Casa series. Okay, so in Italy, they released The Evil Dead under the title La Casa, and it was a huge success. So okay. then in Italy, they released the they released Evil Dead 2 as La Casa 2, and it also did huge in the uh, 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 Italian box office. So, uh... To capitalize on the success, Joe D'Amato, the Italian uh, film director, he said, let's cash in on this. So he released a cheap sequel called La Casa 3. Yeah. And then that was a hit. So, So it... Italy did an Evil Dead 3, and that was a hit. So then they did Evil Dead La Casa 4, and then La Casa 5, and then here's the kicker. You remember the movie House? I liked that movie. I even, I liked the sequel even better, because it was less scary and more just fucking weird, off-the-wall silly. But House 2, the second story... They released it in Italy as La Casa Six. <laughs> so in Italy, House Two is Evil Dead Six. <laughs> That's some 
crazy ass shit. In Italy, there were eight Evil Dead movies. <laughs> That's fascinating to me. That yes. blows my balls. And then, of course, there's Troll 2, the unofficial sequel to Troll. So I just find it fascinating that there's a whole genre of unofficial sequels out there. And to be fair, this is where the defense comes in. A lot of times, these filmmakers would just make a movie. Yes. And they're like, hey, we want you to make this horror film. So it's like, okay, I'm going to try as hard as I can to make it amazing and make it good. Here's the horror film. I think it should be called Night Vision. And they're like, great, we're going to make it a Planet of the Apes sequel. (laughs) The producers would be the ones to say, hey, and they did this in Spain, where it's like, there's this film like Tomb of the Undead, and they're like, okay, we're going to call this Revenge of the Ape People. But there's no apes in this. Why are you calling this film Revenge of the Ape People? And it's like, oh, we'll tag on something in the beginning about how all the zombies that are killing people, oh, those are uh, the ancestors of the apes from the time of the apes. We're making your film a Planet of the Apes sequel. (laughs) But so then our cinematic brains as audience members go, oh, well, how dare the director do that? But oftentimes, it's not even up to the director. So in this film, uh, the director, Claudio Fragasso, said, I want to make a a serious Film, not a horror film, not a slasher like what's popular in America right now. I want a, a Giallo film, a Giallo film, a Guillermo film. Yeah, I want to make a suspense thriller about a woman that survives a rape and is suicidal and there's going to be some twists and turns and it's going to be interesting and serious and I'm going to do like a serious attempt to make my own Dario Argento film and he makes the movie and it's done but the studio says okay we've got this completed film so we're going to hire a second director in secret. So they hire a second director, and they go, okay, second director. Don't tell anybody, especially don't tell the director, but um, add tits, add ass, add gore. We're making his serious film a slasher. Okay. We're just going to shove those scenes right the fuck into the movie. At times, this felt like a porn. Yes. But uh, so so we tend to go, oh, well, uh, this movie is shit. The director, the director didn't do that. I don't want to come to the defense of the director of Troll 2, but he seemed to try and he, he seemed to do a decent job of making a bizarre uh, Dario Argento adjacent thriller that got screwed by the money men, and it's not his fault. Yeah. And the same money men that were responsible 
responsible for this film, Night Killer, and uh, Troll 2, also did Shark Shocking Dark, which in Italy was released as Terminator 2, well before the second Terminator movie came out. Yes. So I, I just... I just feel that this movie needs to be put in context. Okay, I can accept that. It's a decent film, and the problems that I have with it are unfortunately not the problems of the goddamn director, who is a piece of shit who I hate. Okay. I've seen that movie. The director of Troll 2 is a piece of shit, and I hate him. That being said... The parts that were his in this movie, he did an alright job. He got screwed in the edit. He basically got brazilled. Okay. You know? Like, the studio said, okay, you're done with this film? Great, we're gonna fuck with it. We're gonna edit the shit out of it. This part's out, this part's out. We're gonna put some boobs in. Yeah, the movie, the, the parts of the movie that I didn't like, uh weren't necessarily his fault. That being said, I hate Doctor Strange in this. Okay, yeah, he was fucking... Well, you know, but but at the same time, like, I, I, a lot of the times I look somebody up on IMDB because I haven't seen them in a while. It's yep. mostly just because they've dropped off my radar for some reason. Like, Mark Harmon is out there somewhere... I just don't know where, you know? And I look them up on IMDb, and I find that they've been working consistently since wherever, just in nothing that I've seen. I look up Peter Hooten, and, like, it's sad. Yeah. It's just very sad. Like, he did, like, Doctor Strange was literally his Like the pinnacle of his career. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, it's really out. Yeah, I, I just hope that he starts getting some like good convention money now for being the yeah. original Doctor Strange. You know, but but like hey. after Doctor Strange, he did he did some TV. You know, like just a guest appearance. He was a. I, I had to stop and look it up because I kind of vaguely remembered it, and I just needed to confirm it. But he, he was on an episode of Bronk. Which was a detective show, a short-lived detective show, starring Jack Palance <laughs> as Bronk, and it's like you know he looks like a Bronk. <laughs> nice, but then the other girl, but then the girl, uh, poor man's Linda Hamilton. Yes, she. she she did all right. She was in the two. Uh, well, first off, she's she was the mom in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Okay. But the but I I had no idea that I had the hots for this woman. She was one of the two sexy girls from both Cannonball Run movies. Really? Because the girls in the skimpy skin tight out skin tight outfits. There was Adrienne Barbo. And the other one. Yes. She was the other one. Really? Yeah. Wow, she looks kind of... I mean... I was blown away by the fact that the woman who starred in this film, I had seen in two other... in three other fucking movies. Like, goddamn. I had so much the hots for you as a kid in those Cannonball Run movies. With that in consideration, 
she must have had a rough time from there to where she is in this fucking movie. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, uh, and, and, and I'm gonna guess, okay, recovering cocaine addict. Yeah, that's that's probably a safe bet. That's kind of the vibe she gives off in this movie. Yeah. You know, her acting is... Well, nobody's acting in this movie is top-notch. You yeah. know? Oh, a wannabe giallo film Frankenstein into an 80s slasher featuring TV's Doctor Strange in a Speedo flushing his jeans down the toilet and trying to drown a woman in the ocean. What are your thoughts on this movie, buddy? I wasn't particularly a fan. I thought the plot was kind of convoluted. Um... Almost in a in a movie within a movie kind of a way. Um, yeah. And maybe a lot of that could be could have been fixed with a with a bigger budget. I don't know. I I thought that the twist was predictable. I think the yeah. word you're looking for is predictable. <laughs> the, the hard time that I had with this film was that I had to watch it a couple of times because I kept thinking that the guy who ends up being the killer was the dad from Troll 2. Yeah. They looked very similar. It's not him. Because yeah. the this guy in Night Killer will allow you to piss on hospitality. Yes. He will allow yes, it. Will. He doesn't know about uh, high, high, tightening his belt so he doesn't get hunger pains. Yeah. But, uh, but, but we start but... we start the movie with this like monster killer mock Freddy Krueger mask, you know, and we follow yeah. that for a little while, and then it turns into a completely uh, you. Know, Peter Hooten is not in the same movie as everybody else. Yeah, not at all. You know, not at all. So now this is a this is a completely different movie, where Peter Hooten is some kind of psychopath, and kidnaps this woman, who was assaulted by the Freddy Krueger monster, previously. Yeah. So she just doesn't have the best karma in the world. You know. No. I mean, at some point, I think you have to face the fact that you somehow are drawing the psychopaths. Oh my god, that woman shoots scenery like Cookie Monster eats cookies. <laughs> just close ups of her, just. Oh, yeah. loved it. Loved that. <laughs> Getting a bit of the glow. The hair looks like it's brighter since the last. Yeah. You know, the beginning of the show. Yeah. Starting to get it. It's coming. But like yeah. the, the the twist ending, I mean like it's only the like only secondary character in the movie really. <laughs> Yeah, like you go to IMDb, like, it's like ten people in this movie. Yeah, 
So, so like, and that's it. It's obviously not the black police officer. Yeah. So, so like, we get to the twist, and it was like, well, of course, was this a question? <laughs> of, well, course of course, it's it him. <laughs> of course, it was the Utah dentist. Yeah. So, I gotta say, again, uh, this film was written and directed by notorious Italian blowhard Claudio Fragasso under the amazingly wonderful American-sounding pseudonym Clyde Anderson. Uh... Claudio wanted this film to be a dramatic thriller about a suicidal woman, made the film, finished the film. The producer secretly said he uh, hired a, a second director, a dramatic thriller, add more scenes, make it a slasher, make it gorier. So as much as this film has bad acting and bad editing and etc., it's not entirely the director's <coughs> fault. I was ready to rip this movie a new one, but... Um, I think there should be more scenes where a woman is trying to shoot herself in the face and the man responds by eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. I can, I relate to that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's our that's our Tuesdays here yeah. at home. I'm going to shoot myself in the mouth with this gun. And you're like, are you sure? Have you tried KFC's new fries? Cheddar fries? Amazing. What? That's that's there's this film is so odd that I find myself paying attention to it more than I would if I were just seeing like a Jason X or some shit like that where it's yeah. like okay here's another slasher and then you watch this and it's like okay this is different not what I was expecting bizarre but yeah. The film surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, Andy? And also, like, uh, this guy abducts this woman and tortures her and rapes her and ties her up and is totally mind-fucking her to the point where eventually she becomes sort of like a willing accomplice and is, is, is helping the man and all of that. And there were parts where I thought, like, I can go to Italy and re-release this as a Harley Quinn prequel right now. Yeah. And get away with it because of Italy's lax copyright laws. Because this is this movie I felt was the gritty Harley Quinn prequel we deserve. Oh, you 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 think that's what happens? She becomes Harley Quinn? Yeah, I absolutely think that. It's that whole sort of, like, you, you see so many people on, like, Facebook and stuff like that, like, oh, I want to I wanna love, like, Harley Quinn and the Joker, and it's like, she is being abused. Yes. WandaVision, WandaVision. She's being abused. It's an abusive relationship. Yes. It is wildly unhealthy, and no, you should not be basing your relationships on fucking uh, the Joker and Harley Quinn. And the fucked up way that Harley Quinn becomes infatuated with the Joker is basically the same way that poor man's Linda Hamilton becomes obsessed with uh, Doctor Strange in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We get a little Stockholm Syndrome going in there. Yeah. 
I, I just want to take a bizarre aside that I was 100% not uh, planning on doing. So Walt Disney had an idea for a ride called the Carousel of Progress, and it was a carousel ride. Uh, I was I never went on Carousel of Progress, but I did go on America Sings, which is the same carousel design. So it's a circular stage with like five different stages, and instead of moving the stage around, they would have moving audiences. So the okay. stage would be still, and the audience would rotate from stage to stage and watch these different shows with these different robots. And they took that down at Disneyland, but it's still up in its original form in Disney World. And it's been around for a really long time, and there's a lot of bizarre rumors floating around about what they are going to eventually do with this really old-ass, old-timey ride, the Carousel of Progress. One idea is to replace the star with the the star's voice uh, animatronic with Tom Hanks and there's all of these different ideas one of them which I just heard is amazing is it's all of these old timey like oh welcome to my home it is 1918 and we just got one of them new fancy telephones and then it goes to like the 1940s and then the 1960s and it shows the progression of uh, time and of uh, technology and so one of the ideas floating around is to turn it into a WandaVision ride okay where as you're rotating around the different stages of the carousel of progress will be redone to be different scenes at different times of the WandaVision uh, show as a sitcom and I am absolutely fucking in love with the idea of WandaVision the ride. <laughs> I, I am on cloud nine with that idea. I know that uh, 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 a lot of uh, theme park fans would be against this. I, I know that a lot of that uh, the Carousel of Progress was Walt Disney's idea himself and he gave birth to it but also I just want to fucking want to tear all of that shit down if it means getting turning that into a WandaVision ride that's awesome yes I love that yeah I, I so agree. that's all I've got that, for this week's movies like nice. that's it yeah that's all I've got that's all I've got for this week's movie I, I kind of liked it I kind of liked it yeah, no, but, no. But, but this film this the, the main problem that I had with this film is that there was so much rape in this that I thought for a second that I was watching Dangerous Men again yes it was like a, it was like a Dangerous Men level of uh, of uh, rape in this Yes. So I didn't like that. But I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised. And the things that I hated in this film are not the director's fault because Italy's fucking weird. Yes. Yeah. Italy is very weird. Yeah. Uh, next week, Bunny. Okay. I'm, tr- I'm trying for 2021 to be different. Okay. I'm trying to different places and do different things and watch some different movies. Next week we're watching the 2020 film that I've just been itching to see. The action film 
money plane. Okay. With a cast of some of the biggest celebrities in the world. Wrestler Edge, Joey Lawrence, Kelsey Grammer, the biggest stars of 2020. Yes. Apparently, this film is so horrible that it's pretty great. Yeah, okay. I've just been waiting to watch Money Play. See, Grammer's the bad guy, and he cusses a lot and shoots a uh, machine gun. The hero is Edge. <laughs> the Edge. Christian. And apparently the movie was directed by Joey Lawrence's brother, so Joey Lawrence from TV's Blossom is in the movie. I, I just can't wait to watch Money Plane. Yes. Sounds, to okay. Watch okay, I, I can, I can, sure. Yeah, so so that's what we're watching next week on the podcast, and I'm very excited. Uh, also, if you made it to the end of the show, here here's a little treat. I've been wearing a skirt the whole time. This is the skirt, and it's super comfy, and I love it. And I tried to go for a, a skirt with some blue to match my hair. Nice. I don't have a lot of blue stuff. I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of popcorn colored uh uh popcorn uh uh cotton candy colored clothing. Yes. So I'm trying. I'm wearing my team Zisu shirt that I love very much. So uh so, so that's that's yeah, it's a team it says Team Zisu and it's got a it's got their flag on it. I love this shirt so much. Okay. It's one of those shirts that, like, most people aren't going to know what the hell I'm wearing, but every once in a while you'll get the one person that goes, oh, at the store. So, so it's pretty awesome. So next week we're going to be talking about Money Plane, Cher, Willy Wonka, OSHA regulations. It's going to be a, an exciting show. But now that I'm looking back at this show, whoo, so much happened in this show. Frosted Mini Wheats, White Boy Summer, which I can't wait to celebrate White Boy Summer. Yes. Space Jam, The Buffalo Bills. John Bon Jovi is going to be shot in Buffalo, New York. And uh, Adrian Barbeau. I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode. I'm going damn good. A definite solid okay. damn good. Okay, good. I, I feel the same way, but I didn't want to step on any of your toes. You're the person who makes that distinction, not me. And uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, that's your job. But yes, I concur <laughs> with your assessment. Good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Natasha and uh, Eleanor and Maxwell and Bella and everybody else in the house, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Taking your time. <laughs> My glasses are out when I do that. I will have a... Uh... Uh, and you? And you. Two schmuckles and I was going to say I love you for a second. Oh. I love you. Poker chips? 